What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Jesse Strauss. The first story on our state terror roundup was about a massive $45 million civil settlement in the case of Randy Cox, a New Haven, Connecticut resident who was paralyzed by officers in a routine arrest. That amount dwarfs most civil settlements related to police issues, so we'll spend this next conversation getting to know how most of them actually work. Local nonprofit news site Mission Local has published a two-part investigative report this week on civil settlements involving San Francisco law enforcement that has cost taxpayers roughly $70 million since 2010. On the line is Will Jarrett, Mission Local's data reporter and lead investigator on the two-part series titled $70 Million in San Francisco Law Enforcement Settlements and Some SFPD Cops Appear in Civil Court Again and Again. Will, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's our pleasure. Let's start with some of the bare numbers that you found in your investigation. There have been 1,750 civil settlements involving police officers, deputies, and other law enforcement staff since 2010. That works out to roughly one settlement every three days. Altogether, they've added up to $70 million in payouts. What types of lawsuits are being brought, and what types of policing issues and overreach are leading to so many lawsuits in San Francisco? Yeah, good question. Um, so a lot of these 1,750 lawsuits that we looked at, um, a lot of them were kind of day-to-day things that you might expect from any department, for instance, like um, vehicle collisions and um, kind of property loss, that kind of thing. And they tended to end up with fairly small settlements. But what we found was that there was this minority of really large settlements um, that seemed to come primarily from uh, police misconduct, basically. So you've got these, a lot of settlements that you would kind of, that it would be fairly difficult to get rid of, but they're not really the ones that are at issue and and are costing the city. It's the ones where officers are doing things like, um, you know, people are getting wrongfully imprisoned um, due to officers not handing over the right evidence. Um, It's things like use of force, it's wrongful death. And if you add those up, they make up the majority of the costs um, to the city. Um, so we've got about the wrongful detainments we found cost the city about um, roughly $29 million since um, 2010. Um, wrongful deaths was about $12 million. Um, use of force was about $6 million. And these are all things that, you know, could be, um, that they're caused by, by um, alleged misconduct. Um, and so we thought that these are things that could have been um, avoided. Yeah, and when you're talking about the difference between those smaller lawsuits and the more regular lawsuits mm-hmm. and those much larger ones, do you have like just so we can get a sense an average of how much those cost the city, the smaller ones versus the bigger ones? Yeah, so the um, vehicle collisions cost about two and a half grand each, um, and then uh, property damage was about five hundred, um, kind of five hundred dollars ish. Um, but then when you get into the stuff like wrongful imprisonment and um, wrongful death, of course, it goes way, way up. So the, the, the very biggest settlement that we had since then was when um, was from Jamal Trulove and his, um, um, his imprisonment that was overturned after six and a half years in prison, and that was over 13 million. So, you know, you can really see the difference, the, the gulf between those kinds of, uh, those kinds of cases. 
Yeah, and before we get into the money, because we're going to go deep in that, I just wanted to ask a clarifying question. You reported that there's Mm. been 1,750 civil lawsuits in these uh, police-related cases. I'm wondering if you can clarify if that means there have been, those are the lawsuits that have resulted in settlements, or um, have you been able to track the amount of lawsuits, period, compared to the amount that end in settlements? So this is just the amount that are success, that are ended in successful settlements. Basically, we we wanted to have a data set where you could look through and say, you know, quite quite often with these um, settlements, almost always with these settlements, the city won't say that um, they won't admit guilt, right? But at least if we can say that they have made this, um, they, they've given out a settlement that we can say that you know they didn't feel necessarily that they would win a trial, and so it felt like it was a um, we were on better footing to kind of say these are the allegations that were um, put out. So this, this is just settlements um, that um, were actually paid out. Um, in terms of the proportion of full um, lawsuits, I'm actually not sure. Yeah, I wouldn't want to guess. So we can certainly guess that there's more um, and more yeah. than an average of one every three days. Is, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Although it's it's worth pointing out that not all of these settlements come from cases. Sometimes they're unlitigated. You know, the city will just say, okay, we'll pay it without it going to court. Right. You also mentioned that in most of these cases, the city doesn't admit guilt. Can you talk a little bit more Mm -hmm. about what that means um, for individual cases? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's. it makes it kind of hard to, to to talk about these things. You have to you have to throw in kind of allegedly's in every other line when you're talking about these things, um, mm. because it means that the the city will basically say, okay, we will pay you this sum, and that will resolve the case. But it doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong, um, and it and that's kind of that is kind of tricky because it quite often means that the um, the officers in question who have been sued, they might not necessarily face any discipline because it will be found, you know, um, there was no wrongdoing by the city. It was just, but at the same time, they're saying we're going to give out tens of millions of dollars in order to make this case go away. Um, so it's the kind of thing where they, yeah, they, uh, and that kind of comes to another point that we make in our stories, which is this gulf between the criminal courts and the civil courts. So in criminal courts, you almost never see um officers or deputies being charged um and if they are they're very rarely convicted um and but but then you've got this this massive load of settlements in civil courts where admittedly the you know this um the standard of evidence is lower you know you just need a preponderance of evidence rather than um it being um um you know with uh what's the what's the phrase what am i looking for the um beyond a reasonable doubt standard that's in criminal courts um, so well, you that, expect that's to prove guilt, people. but if we're talking about charges themselves coming from the yeah. DA, the DA would have had power yeah, to yeah. bring criminal charges, even if we don't know what the result of those charges would be, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and um, yeah, and you you re- very rarely see officers or deputies brought um, charges brought against them. Right, right, right. So when we're talking about seventy million dollars in payouts since two thousand ten. That may sound like a lot of money, but it's not actually the cost to the city. Will, what are the mm. other costs involved in these cases, and how much does it all add up to-ish? That is a good question. So there's, um, 
I guess the other the other costs are kind of hard to quantify. And I, I suppose one of them is uh, the cost in time and money from the city attorney's office. You know, they're they're out there fighting these hundreds of cases, um, and so all of their salaries are adding up. Um, um, uh, and so that's one that that's one extra cost. And then there's also the cost, which is even harder to quantify, which is if you find that there are particular officers who are often involved in these kinds of suits, then they become less and less valuable as officers to the city because it becomes easier and easier to um, to um, question their testimony um, in court. And so it might be, you know, if, if you've got an officer who's been in several suits, it might be that suddenly it's very difficult to have them on the street kind of going out and arresting people because later a defense attorney can say, well, look, this person has already been in all the suits where it's been alleged that they were using excessive force, um, that they were dishonest, etc. And so quite often those officers are put into non-public facing roles while still pulling down very hefty salaries. Um, so that's another additional cost. Um, in terms of quantify, I, I am so so we haven't touched on yet in this series, um, kind of quantifying those extra costs. And I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to guess, but they are heavy. And you know, speaking to experts, they suggested that the seventy million in settlements was uh, the quote was the the tip of the iceberg of what it's costing the city. And is there anyone like at the city level, for example, tracking how much these things cost that you're aware of? I mean, it sounds like there's some very direct costs as in legal fees and lawyer hours and maybe some more indirect costs that are harder to track. But in mm. terms of the legal fees, at least to, to my mind, those seem tra trackable. Most lawyers count billable hours and charge to different things. Right. Um, is there anyone at the city level who's actually tracking how much that costs? Um, I guess it would be a case of looking at all the salaries of the people in the city attorney's office, although you would then need to kind of, you'd, you'd need to um, kind of uh, um, associate them with these particular suits, I suppose, in order to get that exact number. I don't know if that is something that the city itself is tracking. Not, not that I'm aware of in the kind of talks that I've, in the, in the talks that I've had with them. Gotcha. Uh, although all, then, all of these suits, uh -huh. sorry, go on. No, no, go on. Um, yeah, I was just, um, so all of these suits are being tracked by, you know, they, they do keep um, logs of every one of the civil suits that are taken in the city attorney's office. So they would be the people who would be doing this if, um, if that's happening. And when we're talking about something, numbers adding up to $70 million in San Francisco, mm. where is that money coming from? Yeah, that's a good question. So a lot of people assume that that's coming from uh, the police department or the sheriff's department um, budget, but it's actually not. It's coming from the general fund. So it's money that could have been spent um, in in any way is um, so it's, it's essentially directly from taxpayers that money. Yeah, we are in conversation with Will Jarrett, Mission Local's data reporter and lead investigator on a two part deep dive in Civil, civil settlements involving San Francisco's law enforcement published this week. Bear with me on this question. Benjamin Crump, who is a nationally recognized attorney representing people around the country in cases of police violence, said in an interview this past weekend about pursuing civil settlements and police violence cases that, quote, what we're trying to do is make it financially unsustainable for the police to continue to violate our constitutional rights and brutalize us unnecessarily and unjustifiably. 
Will do civil suit payouts amount to accountability for departments of policing? Obviously, it's not putting an officer in prison, not that type of accountability. But are there other elements that trickle down as a result of the lost civil suits? Like, for example, is there a financial cost to the police department? Are there consequences for officers whose work results in numerous civil suits? Is there any general or specific threshold where they'd lose their job or lose the ability to be a cop in another department? Is there ever a change in policy as a direct result of civil suits? That's a very good question. Um, I guess, so there are ways in which these uh, civil suits are kind of indirectly tracked by the police department. There's something called the early intervention system they use, which is kind of a way of the police department tracking uh, potentially problematic behaviors in officers. And that includes anything from like, you know, lots of uses of force and um, lots of um, appearances in civil suits. And then using that as a way to kind of intervene and talk to those officers um, when that comes up a lot and to identify, quote, patterns of behavior. Um, but they're very clear that that isn't about punishing misconduct. That's about intervening to, uh, and this is a quote, to assist our members in their professional development in order to provide the highest level of service and satisfaction to the public. So that's kind of how they track it within their system, but it's not one that is about kind of punishment and accountability, really. Um, In terms of um, other ways in which it holds the police accountable, I guess, yeah, there there is that, there there is the the cost of the settlements, although, again, that isn't coming from the police department, that's coming from the general fund, so that's not directly impacting their budget. Um, I suppose it does, having spoken to some of the... um, Civil, uh, the attorneys who work on the civil suits, one thing that they said is that it does at least highlight and publicize um, misconduct in the police, but then it really falls to the, you know, the public officials to do something with that, um, that information once it's been highlighted. And I think that's the point at which some people feel like the system is falling down. If you don't have um, police then being held accountable through either um, Kind of disciplinary disciplinary um, proceedings or through criminal court. Um, I guess another point is that it is it is important to get compensation for victims as well, and that's something that the settlements do do. Um, although that's again not directly um, related to accountability for the actual police officers involved. Yeah, so a lot of this does fall on public officials. We know that the San Francisco district attorney is not trying to do, trying to hold those officers accountable in that particular way right now. Let's hope that things change in the future. Will, that's all the time that we have. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. 
If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. Okay.